going to turn now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, and verse 22. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? Then Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, verse 42. What think ye of Christ? I trust that every Christian here tonight will pray that Christ will say, or God will say, prevail in this message which is given tonight and that he will create a spiritual atmosphere which shall be to the glory of his great name this is one of the most wonderful texts of scripture one of the most vital questions in the whole bible what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? There are many questions in the Bible which are important. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If a man die, Shall he live again? The question of Paul on his conversion. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What must I do to be saved? How can a man be born when he is old? And he entered the second time into his mother's womb and be born. How will you do in the swellings of Jordan? What do you think of Jesus? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? These are outstanding questions. But the question which is most important of all is the one in our text tonight. It must be a wonderful privilege to get the opportunity to preach on this text. May God walk through this text tonight so that sinners shall be saved and enter into the kingdom of God. Our text tonight is one of the most important of all Bible questions. It puts all other questions in the Bible into the background. They become insignificant when we think of this question tonight. What shall I, I do with Jesus? 
He was called Christ. Why is this question so important? It is because every individual in the world must give an answer to it, whether we like it or not. You must answer it. You answer it tonight in this building. I answer it tonight in this building. And God knows what our answer is to this question even now. What shall I do with Jesus? Who is the Christ? Pilate asked this question of the multitude. And Pilate expected an answer. And he got an answer. God is asking the same question tonight from ev of everyone who is here in this service. What shall you do with Jesus, my beloved son? Every person who ever lived in this world must answer this question. God expects an answer. God must have an answer. God will have an answer from everyone who lived in this world from the beginning of time to the end of time. You can't evade this question, dear friends. It doesn't matter who you are. Christ will ask you this question day by day, no doubt. And your eternal destiny hangs on your answer to this vital and important question. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Now as we read this passage tonight, dear friends, we see that Jesus was on trial before Pilate. But if you look into the passage and study the passage, and know the Bible, you realize that it was Pilate who was on trial, and not Jesus. And so, dear friends, we are on trial tonight before the great judge of all the earth. God is trying us day by day. He's proving us day by day. And he knows what our answer to that question is tonight from every individual in this church and every person throughout the whole wide world. That day was the crisis day in Pilate's life. A very important day. Why then did the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees hate Jesus? They hated him. Why? Well, if you turn up your Bibles to John chapter 12 and verse 19, you'll find the answer there. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world, the world is gone after Jesus. That's why they hated Jesus. Men and women flocked to him. 
Men and women listen to his wonderful message of life. Men and women, boys and girls, saw his miracles. They hated Jesus because he had such power. Because he wasn't truly the Son of God. And some of them even called him a blasphemer. Because he said he was the Son of God. They were jealous of him. First of all, then, this question. What can I do with Jesus? What's your answer to that question tonight? I am asking you that question. But more important still, God is asking you that question. What shall you do with Jesus? Well, there are only two things you can do with Jesus. Two things. You can crown him Lord of your life tonight and in the future. Or you can shut him out from your life, reject him, crucify him. Only two ways. There is no partial salvation. Serving God with one hand, serving Satan and the world with the other. The Bible makes it clear, the message is finally clear. We cannot serve two masters. For we will fall to the one and despise the other. The other. We will love the one and we will hate the other. Or hate the other. There is no middle course. We cannot be neutral with this question. Notice Pilate was determined to set Jesus free. How do we know? I see no fault in this man, Jesus. He is innocent. Pilate knew he was innocent. Pilate had an opportunity to set Jesus free to the mistreated. Although we realize that it was in God's plan that Jesus had to take his place on the cross of Calvary. <coughs> Pilate's wife had a dream, a very disturbing dream, and she sent a message to Pilate as he sat in the judgment seat, crying Jesus. Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things in a dream because of him. Pilate sent Jesus to Herod that he might judge him. Pilate thought he had got rid of Jesus. But then we see Jesus coming down the road and he's back on Pilate's hands again. You can't get rid of Christ, the Son of God. You can't. Jesus was back in Pilate's hands again. Notice then that he tried to shift his responsibility on to someone else. 
I wonder how many people, how many sinners do that in the world. They try to evade this question. They try to push their responsibility onto someone else. Secondly, who can decide or answer for me? Who can decide or answer for me? You are on your own here, dear friend, with regard to this question. No one else can answer for you. You must answer it personally. You must make the decision for yourself. And the decision is absolutely a personal one. Mark my word tonight. You can't ignore Jesus Christ. You can't. God will have it. You can't destroy Jesus. All of us here tonight will have to meet Jesus Christ, the judge of all the earth. We will have to answer before the greatest of all judges, the Son of God. And he knows how we will answer this question. Dear friends, if you can stand on that great day of judgment, as you stand before Christ, you will stand forevermore, blessed of God. But if you fall on that day, the day of judgment, you will never rise again. That's why the answer to this question is vital in your life and mine tonight as we seek to worship God with the help of his Holy Spirit. Joseph Dudley that Pilate had to make a choice. He made the wrong choice. He let Jesus be crucified on the cross of Calvary. Joshua made a choice, the right choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was his testament. Lot had to make a choice. He chose the plains of, of Sodom. And he would have lost his life as the fire came down to the, from heaven to destroy that wicked city but it not for the mercy of our Heavenly Father. He made the wrong choice. Mary made a choice, a wonderful choice. She chose Jesus as her own personal Savior. And we have a wonderful testimony of the, the wonderful the witness she gave in her life, which is mentioned in the Bible here. Mark chapter 14, verse 9. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that Mary hath done shall be spoken of as a memorial of her. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. <coughs> a woman who was deep in sin, but came to know this wonderful and merciful Saviour, Jesus Christ the Lord. 
And this Savior can be yours tonight. Jesus wants to be your Savior. Do you want Jesus to be your Savior? That's the question. Jesus can save you now at this very moment. He has the power. But will you let him do it? Then you must ask Jesus, God, to give us faith so that we might believe in him and trust in him in the work which he accomplished for sinners through his death on the cross of Calvary. You have to make a choice too, dear friend, everyone in this building. Choose Jesus and you choose life. Choose Satan in the world and you choose death. Surely the choice should be easy. One would think it would be easy. God with all his wonderful blessings. God with all his wonderful treasures and riches. God in all his loving kindness and mercy, desiring that sinners should come to him, that they might have life. And not only have life, but have it more abundantly. That's what God wants for you, dear friend. Will you let him give these treasures to you tonight, if you haven't received them before? He is waiting to give you these treasures too. Time comes, dear friends, in the life of every individual when our decision will be final, when our decision will be irrevocable. Again, when must I give an answer to this question? When? The answer is now. Now. At this very moment, 7.20, we've got to answer to our God. He wants the answer now. That's when you have to give your answer now. Now is the accepted time, the Bible says. Now is the day of salvation. We have no promise that we shall even go out from this building tonight. That depends on God's mercy and depends on his loving kindness towards us. He wants the answer now. We have no promise of tomorrow. He cannot say that we shall answer in the near future, or that we will answer just before we leave the scene of time and enter the great eternity. We are asked to give the answer now. Now is the word which never, never, never comes back. Now. It's gone. I've spoken it. It's gone. Surely that should be a challenge to our very hearts tonight. Here we have no continuing city. Now we should be seeking one to come. That city which God has built is the real foundation, the solid foundation, 
one which is everlasting, which can never be destroyed. Time is gliding swiftly by. Death and judgment draw nigh. To the arms of Jesus fly, be in time. Oh, I pray you count the cost. Ere the fatal line be crossed, and your soul in hell be lost. Meantime, sinner, heed the warning voice. Make the Lord your final choice. Then all heaven will rejoice. Meantime, come from darkness into light. Come like Jesus. Make your life. Come and start for heaven tonight. If you haven't already done so, by faith in Jesus Christ, start now, this very moment, and God will bless you forevermore. Many people in the world try to escape answering this question. It can't be done. Many try to postpone this question to the end of the day. It can't be done. Many try to be neutral with regard to this question. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? It can't be done. Many try to wash their hands of this question like Pilate of old. It can't be done. You must face Jesus. I must face Jesus. And God wants you to make the decision. That was one thing about Joshua's life. He was a man who made the decision that the people might decide for God to obey him, to love him, to serve him. All philosophies and religions of this world are insignificant when we ask this vital question. Why is it, dear friends, that the cross of Jesus Christ is such an offense to sinners in this world? Why? Well, the Bible makes it clear. The cross of Jesus tells us of the power of God to save and the weakness of man. That's why people hate the cross. It tells us of the wonderful love of Jesus, how he came from heaven's glory into this world of sin and shame. He gave us life on that cross that sinners might be saved who believe in him and his finished work there. Tells us, dear friends, also of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. That's why sinners hate the cross of Jesus. It puts our life to shame when we think of Jesus, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Perfect Savior, 
offering to sinners a perfect salvation. And that's why we do. What shall I do with Jesus? He is called Christ. Have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin. Ask you not and ask for listen. Sinner. Will you let him in? Room for Jesus, King of glory, hasten now his word of thee. Swing the heart door widely open. Bid him enter while you may. Time is so important, dear friend. For we have no promise of tomorrow. Perhaps there is someone in this truck tonight, a sinner, and they're saying, Oh, you persuade me to become a Christian. Almost oh, you persuade me to give my life to Jesus. Almost oh, you persuade me to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, it's like the man who was almost pardoned, but he was hanged. A man who was shipwrecked with sea. He saw someone came coming to save him. Almost saved, but he was drowned. Somewhere in a fire in his own home, and the neighbors ran to try and save him. Almost saved, but burned alive. Almost in the kingdom of heaven, but not in sight. If you're almost a Christian, you're not saved. You're not saved. You may be very near it. You may be very near the kingdom of God as it says in the Bible. Very near indeed. Almost there. Dear friends, we do not know whether we will reach that place where there is perfect peace and glory above unless we crown Jesus Lord of our lives. I want to ask another question tonight. Not what shall I do with Jesus? Turn the question around, it's not in the Bible. Perhaps some people say that's wrong then. But I ask it tonight. What shall Jesus do with you if you believe in him? Wonderful. Amazing. Fantastic. What Jesus Christ can do with you and with me when we trust in him and obey him day by day. He will use you, dear friend, as a chosen vessel in his hands for the extension of his kingdom, for the ingathering of lost sinners into the kingdom of God. He can do that for you. 
He did it for Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus who persecuted the church. He persecuted Christians to the death. He had no time for believers in Christ. He saw people stoning Stephen to death and rejoiced. But Jesus touched that life, the life of Saul, and he became a wonderful apostle of God. God's wonderful master, God's wonderful power, God's great loving kindness. As the question, another question so important in the Bible. What ails you at Christ? This one person put What ails you at Christ? What have you against Christ? When he is such a wonderful Savior. You ask any believer in Christ in this church tonight when you go out, if you are a sinner without salvation, without Jesus, as your own personal Savior. Ask them the question, what do you think of Christ? And you'll hear a wonderful testimony. A testimony which will do your heart and your soul good. Because God blesses the testimony of many believers in Christ to those who are outside the kingdom. God works in a wonderful way, in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. What are we doing for Jesus? That's a certain question. What are we doing for Jesus? Are our lives a credit to Jesus tonight? Is this church any stronger because we are in it? Is the cause of Christ advanced because of our effort, our prayer, our sacrifices in the Lord's service? as we seek to spend and be spent for Jesus? That's in question. Shall we have what Jesus can do with the servant of God? When we mentioned in the morning about Moses, who am I to go and deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt? Jeremiah, I cannot speak in thy name, I am but a child. And God used that wonderful prophet, blessed by God, to bring blessing to the nations where he was. He had a difficult task to accomplish. The people wouldn't listen to him at the beginning. And they read that of Samuel himself in the Old Testament, how he preached the word for a long time, many years, before the people began to realize that they were on the wrong road and that God was calling them back, beseeching them to uh, seek the forgiveness of their sins in order that he might bless them and do them good.
And in Second Chronicles chapter 15, in that chapter there, we were reading of how God is able to bless his people. And in Second Chronicles, in chapter 7, we read of these words. And before I read them, dear friends, we must remember that oftentimes we point the finger at sinners who have no salvation. We point the finger at those who are ungodly. We point the finger at those who are outside God's kingdom. And listen to what it says, you know the verse very well, I'm sure. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Heal their land. God may be pointing the finger at me tonight in this pulpit. God may be pointing the finger at many believers in Christ who are here tonight. Because he knows that God's blessing upon our nation may depend on God's people. It depends on God first, naturally. But God is calling his people to humble themselves, to confess their sin before God. Then the land will be healed. Then there will be rejoicing in our nation. Then we will remember Christ's death on Calvary's cross. It will mean something. It will be precious to each one of us. And we'll see God working in a wonderful way bringing great glory to his name as souls are born again and find Jesus as their friend forevermore. The one who will never fail them. The one who will always strengthen them and support them day by day and give them the grace to serve him day by day. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we bow humbly before thy throne of grace tonight. Thou art the Lord God Almighty. Nothing is too hard for our God to do. God has still the same power today as he has years gone by, and will have the same power till the end of time and throughout the length of the coming eternity. O Lord, we pray that thou wilt reveal thy mighty power in the salvation of precious souls even in this church. And not only here, Heavenly Father, but wherever thy gospel is preached in sincerity and in truth, depending upon the grace of God, depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> to say, O Lord, that many may be found seeking Christ, 
and finding him as their own personal Savior. Bless every family represented here, we pray. May thy Holy Spirit be at work in every individual. We pray, O Lord, that people here may be as shining lights in this world of darkness, shining more and more unto the perfect day. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we may desire that others may come to know Jesus, and as they come to know Jesus, that others may come to know Jesus through their witness, and others still, so that the Lord our God may be glorified, and that we may give all praise and honor and glory to him for that perfect work of salvation accomplished by Jesus through his death on the cross of Calvary. Lord, bless us tonight. Send us away from this church rejoicing in thee, knowing that thou hast been here, knowing that we have seen Jesus, the only Savior, the Son of God, and that he may become more precious in the days and years of my head to each one of us, his believing people. Pardon our sins, take us to our several homes and safety. We pray, O Lord, that great things may be done today through the preaching of thy precious love. For God has given the promise in his precious love that through the foolishness of preaching, many shall come to know Jesus as their own personal Savior. May it be so tonight. We thank the Lord tonight from the depths of our heart that the church of Jesus is growing every day. One here, one there is being added to his church, and Christ's glory is being increased. And the day is coming when all shall acknowledge that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pardon our sins now, we pray. We ask all in the Savior's name. Amen.